0: Relive your favorite era of wrestling with New Gen on a Mission, Wrestling Warzone,
1: Extreme Three-Way Dance, or the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. Keep in touch with the modern era with GC Dub, Clotheslines and Headlines, You
0: Know What That Means, and Viewer's Choice, or Sit Down and Nerd Out with No Holds Barred, WWE War, or The Wrestler That Was. It's summertime, and the living is easy. Because you've
1: got the North South Connection. NorthSouthConnection.com. Podcast is a member of the place to Be Nation family. Visit us at place 2 The only place to be in your pop culture world. Come over here. This where it's at. Yo, 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 yo. Place to be is on my side, too. Cause you don't wanna be the target but not fly the coop yeah, uh, Place to Be is on my side, dude Cause you don't wanna be the target when I fly the crew. Buenos dias, come on, no, no, no. Come on. It, We call it the, uh, the Place to, be. The place to be. Then I shall be It is contagious, it is the Place to Be And we are live each and every Monday To do, to, to, to do worse than Josh Richard
0: Place to Be Nation proudly presents A powerful pair
2: of pro wrestling punters It's JT Rosero and Scott Criscola And this is the Place to Be Podcast. Nation, welcome back to another great episode of the one and only Place to Be podcast. I'm your host, Just Rosero coming to you here on this Monday inside the PTBN studios, and joining me as always is my PIC,
1: Mr. Scott Criscolo. Scott, how are you? Good evening, Jr. PTB Wrestling Network friends and family, welcome to episode six three three of the longest running episodic uh, motherfucking gold standard. We are almost to the end of two thousand nine, and. Uh, I thought we reached our peak <laughs> with the quality of show in '09, which is evident because two weeks ago it was not. So I'm curious to see what tonight brings. But uh... well,
2: we had a nice rise from like 0-7, then we really rode high throughout all of '08. Some great shows. We knew we were going to dip down in 0-9, but yeah, last last episode was a was an all time bad one um, for sure. Yes, with bragging rights. But tonight we're going to see if we can turn the tide a little bit. Um, yes. And... One of our finals of 2009 already. Pretty crazy. I know, right? Crazy. And uh, we have
1: one of our usual exceptional guests. What do we got mm-hmm. on tonight?
2: I would list the show she's on, but we'd be here forever. Uh, but she Too is much. a co-host <laughs> of mine on Extreme Three-Way Dance over the North-South Connection. And uh, also some of the little things here and there. She's got a bunch got of shows show. of herself that she can share with you throughout this. Perhaps sprinkle them in. We'll see how... She can accomplish that, but that is, of course, the one and only Miss Jennifer Smith. Jenny, how are you?
0: What an intro! I appreciate that. Thanks for having me, boys. It's been a minute, but mm-hmm. I figured since um, they announced that aliens are real, then I should come to the mothership.
1: Yeah, yes. yeah. We'll always be the biggest mothership. You're welcome for that. Yes. What a time! Can't, Can't wait for the <laughs> first alien pay per view. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> Hi, hi.
0: Species Wrestling. Yes. I will be the first fan.
2: High laser work rate right there. So, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see you, Cash, teaming with an alien. Oh, that's a hot show. Me. It's definitely happening at some point. Totally. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, tonight we're going to be covering Survivor Series 2009. But before we get started, we're going to do like we usually do, and that is head back 14 years to 1995. Scott's going to tell us what was going on in the world of wrestling this week in
1: 95. Well, uh, I've got good news and I got bad news. Uh, The bad news is, is neither the WWF nor WCW had shows on this date, November 22nd, 1995. So sorry, Jenny, no uh, kickbacks to the greatness of 1995 WCW. But! The good news is, uh, since I, uh, as uh, JR mentioned, I have two thirds of the three-way dance with me. Let's see what ECW was doing on this night in 1995, and they were in between shows. So I'm going to, <laughs> so so I'm going to cheat. But uh, four days before this show, a show you guys did, November to remember. 1995, which I think is actually one of my favorite ECW shows of all time. I love this show. Um, Ray Psychosis in the death match. Um, uh, Alfonso and Todd Gordon, Mikey and Steve. I love that match. Um, and then the main event: Funk and Tommy against Raven and Cactus.
0: Alfonso and Gordon. Wow. Uh, <laughs>
1: I mean, that feels like a completely different promotion.
0: Yeah, where it really we are does. Like, when was last time we saw Todd Gordon?
2: <laughs> well, he's been gone for a while. Yeah, yeah no. I mean, we've yeah. we're in the summer of '98, and oh my god, yeah, <laughs> totally, completely different. I mean, it's everyone not... you just named, like, it's like Tommy's still around.
1: <laughs> That's yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, so like I guess. Will but,
0: always be. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Half the half the roster was in uh, in uh, in WWF at this point. I like this. Funny. This is the description. Uh, Bill Alfonso pinned Todd Gordon after Taz interfered, punched Mm -hmm. Gordon in the face, put Alfonso on top and counted the pinfall. Earlier in the bout, Alfonso attacked Beulah McGillicuddy, Mm -hmm. who was the advertised guest referee after the bout. Taz took the mic and complained that the fans cried when their heroes like Terry Funk, Tommy Dreamer and Sabu get hurt, but no one called him or wrote him a letter when he broke his neck, yelled, fuck you with the fans, uh, and called out Paul Heyman for not considering his family and the fact that he had bills to pay. But Alfonso did look out for him. Moments later, the fans chanted, suck his dick, as Taz praised Alfonso. (laughs) Oh, how times have changed. Wow. That's great. So, kid, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Alfonso does goes.
0: have a five-star match in ECW. So.
1: He does. Mm-hmm. I was about to say, that was what, 97, right? The match with Beulah? The blood Uh, match?
2: Yeah, it was like the end of 97. Mm-hmm. It was right around when Gordon leaves, because it's when they get busted for the mole stuff. Right. And it, Fonzie saves his job, basically, by going out there and having that match with Beulah. Yeah, right. uh,
1: But Gordon. I don't think Beulah comes back, right? Is she pretty much gone after yeah. that? No, no, no she, she's around. She's oh, well, until is we is? are now. <laughs> yeah. She's a little bit broken yeah. her neck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so, yeah. so the next night, though, this is interesting. I don't know if you guys, I'm trying to remember if you guys have brought this up. But the next night, uh, or next night after this night, so November 23rd, 1995, Danbury, Connecticut, not far from where I am, uh, was supposed to have a show called Ultimate Jeopardy 95. Hmm. It was supposed to be in Danbury. It was at a place called Sub-Zero, which is now closed. So it was canceled. Um, the advertised card included an Ultimate Jeopardy steel cage match with Tommy Dreamer, the Pitbulls, and Public Enemy versus Cactus Jack, Raven, Stevie, ECW Tag Team Champions, and the ECW TV Champion, Two Cold Scorpio, and the Sandman with these stipulations. There's like 50 of them. Yeah, that's, when mean, they did those Ultimate Jeopardies. They, they always have like... Have, like different simulations for who won what right if the public enemy lose they fight each other later that night if the pimples lose they split up if tommy loses he shaves his head if raven loses the man that beats him gets beulah for a month (laughs) (laughs) that's such a ecw step uh if stevie loses he must spend five minutes alone in the cage with everybody else if cactus (laughs) loses he must leave ecw if Too Cold loses, he loses the TV title, and he and the Sandman will be stripped of the tag titles. And if Sandman loses, Woman must leave ECW, and the tag titles uh, would be held up. So that show was supposed to happen in Danbury on January on uh, November twenty third, nineteen ninety five, and didn't. I don't know if it was weather, I couldn't have been tickets because I mean they were on, they were. Well, on did the they record.
0: look at the stipulations and go, "Never mind, let's not do this"? It's uh, <laughs> yeah. very complicated
1: kind of a kind of a mess and of course then the build came towards uh well they had a december to dismember show which i didn't realize totally forgot about that oh. um and then of course they would end up having holiday hell which is where i think beulah i think uh tommy or uh, mikey loses the belt so anyway so no wwf no wcw and a little bit of ecw on this date uh the 22nd of november 1995 so jr fitting fire up a little herb what do we got tonight from mr coons
2: all right we got a trio of herb notes from smith uh, november 2nd 1995 wcw held halloween havoc 95 jenny hey. this past sunday the show <laughs> left me feeling very mixed although some people <laughs> i've talked to uh we're happy with it, it reminded me of a very mid-80s F show not just because of some of the cast members but because of all the angles jimmy hart and lex luger turned heel demolishing hogan and randy savage with help of the giant and the yeti john mm-hmm. studs trainee ron reese for the time being this is supposed to be a gimmick. Supposed to end up with Jose Gonzalez's role. which just because, uh, nice. Ric Flair did the expected and turned uh, on Sting, even though it was obvious in the beginning of the show when they announced Flair had been attacked by arm. Brian Pillman was doubtful for the match. What the storyline would be, it was entertaining and well done and does promise good matches for the future. That almost helps that one overlook the storyline inconsistencies. With all the things and more happening, does anyone even remember that the Diamond Doll caved and gave Johnny B. Bad a 10 for his work, while DDP was laid out, angle overload. The best wrestling of the night was in the Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko versus Blue Bloods match, with Benoit really shining. The Observer reports this match was originally going to determine a challenger for the tag titles, but they've already taped a match between the Blue Bloods and Harlem Heat, so clearly it was a change of heart. Sabu versus Mr. JL, although he was introduced here without the Mr., making the name even more stupid, with another hodgepodge of high spots, slammed together and called a match. It was really good, but no pacing and a five-minute time constraint was impossible to tell any story. The Sheik limped out with Sabu, who ran to the ring, presumably to keep the a- camera off Sheik's pained walk. Unfortunately, he hit the Asai moonsault just as Sheik came into range and knocked him on his butt. The commentators had rambled on about how evil the Sheik was, and this turned him and Sabu into babyface. Had they shown some little clips of Sheik demolishing things during fire in the buildup, it would have added to the match, but they didn't give it the time anyway. This PAX week's Observer went on about how the joyous abysmal in your house pay-per-view... When cameras faded to black signifying the end of In Your House on October 22nd in Winnipeg, disgusted Vince McMahon threw down his glasses, his headset, and said the words, horrible, as he, horrible, as he started to walk to the back with Jim Ross while a pell apart brawl between Bret Hart and Diesel was still going on in the ring. Seconds later, as the brawl ended, Diesel, the person McMahon planned to build a company around us a year earlier, was being booed out of the building in yet another long line of failed experiments in his quest to find another Hulk Hogan. The virtually unanimous crowd of redaction, uh, Reed, Reed, Reaction, I guess you might put region. Reaction to Diesel after yet another unimpressive main event match seems to make it logical that Bret Hart is destined to have his career similar to the man being compared with results and outbursts, and that is Ric Flair. Like Flair, Hart is the man picked to pick up the pieces time after time when experiments of creating other world champions to be the next big thing in wrestling end up with declining box office figures. for McMahon the crowd reaction was the crowning jewel of a two week period that he'd most likely love to take back it was a two week period that saw injuries to two of his Scott T performers the quitting of his top assistant his babyface singles and tag champions being heavily booed after post matches and were designed to elicit such responses poor house show business at every stop and the debut of a character being groomed for the top echelon falling flat among the worst matches and worst overall pay-per-view shows in company history that is all from Meltzer not from Herb Uh, so (laughs) just rough stuff uh, Raw versus Nitro War looks like this. Uh, we've covered most of these, Scott. We'll just add in on mm-hmm. October 23rd. Raw won 2 6 2 2. two. It's expected that Kensuke Sasaki will win the WCW US title from Sting in Japan on November 13th. And the first night of WCW versus New Japan matches will lead to Starkade being interpromotional, coming off of a storyline. That cast him as an idiot for falling for Flair's ruse one more time. Sting is apparently nervous about following that performance with a title loss even if it all sets up as regaining the title in the main event of Starcade. Survivor Series on November 19th Bret Hart versus Diesel for the title in a cage. Of course, it doesn't quite go that way. Batman Bigelow vs. Goldust. Very Asbury match there. <laughs> Bertha Aja Kong, Glianess Asuka, and Tama- uh, Tomoko Watanabe versus Lundra Blaze, Kiyoki, Anue. Saki Hasegawa and Chaparita Asari. Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, Davey Boy Smith, and Psycho Sid versus Dean Douglas, Yokozuna, Owen Hart, and Razor Ramon. Undertaker, Fatou, Henry Godwin, and Savio Vega versus Jerry Lawler, Isaac Yankum, King Mabel, and Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And Hakushi, Avatar, Ginetti, and Barry Harwitz versus Skip, Rad Radford, Jean-Pierre Lafitte, and Tom Pritchard. The print pay-per-view ads in My Guide have the pictures of Survivor Series flipped with the pictures of World War III. Guess someone thought Macho Man must be WWF, so these guys that don't recognize must be WCW. <laughs> Despite this embarrassing debut of Goldusted in Your House, the WWF still plans to attempt to push him to the top level with a win over Bam and Bigelow and a match in night of Raw against Shawn Michaels. WCW has World War III on November 26th. The 60 man Battle Royal, as well as Bull Nakano and Akita Hokuto versus Cutie Suzuki and Mayumi Ozaki. The Battle Royal will have a giant in every ring, which means the giant, Ron Reese, and a Guillante uh, will each be in one of the rings. If uh, Giante can uh, work due to visa trouble, Ron Reese will be the Yeti. WDF has a pay per view on December 17th. Tentative lineup is Davy Boy Smith versus the winner of Diesel versus Bret Hart. And Starcade on December 27th, Sting versus Kasuke Sasaki. Koji Kanemoto versus Alex Wright. Randy Savage versus Hiroshi Tenzan. Luger versus Chono. Johnny B. Bad versus Hiro Saito. Eddie Guerrero versus Shinjiro Otani. And Chris Benoit versus Jushin Liger. Any thoughts, uh, Jenny, on this batch of notes here?
0: Um, I didn't hear him mention um, one of the best matches from Havoc. You know, Randy Savage defeated the Zodiac.
2: Oh, course. yeah.
1: That's the what I mean. Thriller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Whatever, I love that show, and mm. i always love that show. I don't think I've seen that. Um, Crispin Wadd, Dean Malinka, that must tag. have been
2: on uh the main event prior yeah. to the show. I'm and guessing, so yeah,
0: I need to, I need to track that down. Fucking love me, some uh Steven Regal, I don't or know. The rest stuck? of it seemed all right. <laughs>
1: uh, I, stopped
0: yeah, I mean, listening after Havoc,
1: yeah, um, the the uh, the um. The, the Vince stuff flipping out Vince flipping out on uh, mm-hmm. on diesel is well documented because that match that that match with Davy boy is just hot oh, it's atrocious yeah it's it's abysmal and it's it's there's no doubt that that Vince was I mean it had been a year and things are just getting worse and worse and worse and you know he should be taking the blame you know you throw a fucking diesel or a Mabel in a main event at SummerSlam you deserve to get give what you get um and it's just it's just rough. And that doesn't surprise me. I mean, Meltzer being that hard on him doesn't surprise me either, but mm-hmm. um they uh the World War Three actually I'm trying to remember if that was a good show or not, that World War Three. I try with that.
2: Yeah, no, it's pretty solid. It's I mean it's not great, but it's it's fine. It's
1: it's yeah. Good um Meanwhile, WCW really wasn't doing you know, total great shakes. Mm-hmm. Um
2: it's a, it's a shaky little period. I mean, Nitro helps revitalize WCW during that stretch for sure. Um, WCW really doesn't heat up till middle of 96. I mean, they're up and down. It's just They start to rely heavily in early 96 on the Hogan Savage Horseman stuff. And you get like Savage Flair. I think Chad and I counted on Wrestling Warzone. It's like legit like 10 times in like two months or something. Right. Um, so they really rely on that shit. Uh, and then once the NWO comes in, obviously, these start. But yeah, no, everything in in, in a hole. I mean, Raw's rough during this time. So um, all right, let's go to November 9th. Has been a reporter on the net. WCW's tape segments with Chris Benoit as the fourth horseman, making the team complete with Benoit, Flair, Anderson, and Pillman. There's talk that Pillman will be teamed with Benoit, and they'll be quickly pushed into a feud with Harlem Heat. The positioning of Benoit as a horseman should make the news that he plans to stay with WCW after his current three-month deal expires. Unsurprising, the Observer reports that Guerrero is also going to stay on. Bruce Hart wants to put together a tribute show for his father, Stu. He's been Looking for various old Stampede stars, along with some current stars from the big two, to work the show. Although I'm sure political problems could cause trouble, the Calgary Press reports an advertised lineup on December 15th of Brett Hart versus Shawn Michaels, Owen Hart versus the 123 Kid, and Chris Benoit versus Dean Douglas. The show will also feature former Stampede stars like Brian Pillman and Phil LaFleur, otherwise known as Dan Crawfat. Of course, Phil LaFon. And The Observer reports that they're working on getting Abdullah the Butcher, Honky Tonk Man, and Gary Albright. So I don't know if the show actually happened or not, but um, I don't know if they had Brett versus Shawn here in December 95 in Calgary. Probably not. There's a lot of speculation on the net about the direction the company's going with Lex Luger. I'm, not, I'm on uh, Nitro tape delay in Canada, so I haven't seen the angle yet where he runs in and whispers to Sting, but I've got a suggestion anyway. Since World War III has turned into a match to determine the new world champion, since the recent pay-per-view leaves the promotion with only Sting as a top babyface, I'll make the product- prediction that the battle oil comes down to the Giant in Ring 1, the Yeti in Ring 2, and Lex Luger in Ring 3. They're ordered to go to one ring and work a small battle royal to determine the winner. Kevin Sullivan orders the Yeti and Luger to leave. Yeti complies, and as Luger follows, he suddenly knocks the Giant out instead and becomes world champion. That explains it a logical scenario where all this was a plan. This way, the promotion desperately tries to turn Luger into a face the fans will support. The promotion has a face champion to feud with all the heels, and Sting is still free to work his program with Sasaki, but we'll see. This is This is vintage herb right here, like going off on some absurd scenario that has no chance of happening. Uh, as Tony Soprano would say to her, uh, always with the scenarios. Uh, <laughs> her, but this one, not quite uh, one that would thankfully go. What they do is much better. So uh, the Observer reports that it's, and it, I should say, it's, it's not easy to come up with worse booking decisions than 95 WCW, but Herb found a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Observer reports that the buy rate for In Your House is abysmal between 0.35 and 0.52. Uh, that leaves the show as barely profitable. Halloween Havoc had a 0.8 buy rate. The Observer also had a column on October 28th uh, on the fire in ECW Arena. Irate fans left phone messages and uh, to many other places, vowing to never return because they belief the promotion is responsible for putting people's lives in danger to get an angle over and it pushed the envelope too far. Most believe the nature of ECW is such that the next show will sell out anyway. True. Promotion used kerosene uh, for the fire gimmick. There was a panic in the crowd. However, most reports were that fans left the building without much pushing and shoving and people weren't trampled on and, and escaped to get out, although there were a lot of chair throwing. Numerous fans were coughing badly outside the building from the fire extinguisher and fumes, and a few had minor cuts and bruises from being hit with chairs. There were fans hit by chairs who were bleeding, but none were injured seriously, and mostly one or two were hospitalized. <laughs> That's great. Well, on the subject of ECW, the Observer reports that WCW and WF are both making a play for public enemy. Uh, the latest Raw versus Nitro rating, Nitro one two five to 2-2, the night after Havoc. Uh, ch- ch- talking about uh, the game Body Slam Wrestling uh, for the PC. It's on sale cheap. It really sucks. Hmm. Survivor Series, nothing much has changed here. He just says there's a chance that Dean Douglas... Can't work the show after having surgery on his throat thanks to an injury from a razor moon clothesline. He would work. I've heard murmurs that the winner of the title match will face The Undertaker the same night. Don't ask me. A lot of people think that Vince is shifting the belt off of Diesel. World War Three In Your House five. Starcade is all the same lineups that we've talked about. Uh, so a bunch going on there, but uh, any comments on anything?
0: I bet those ECW fans were proud to bleed.
1: And be burned.
0: And be charred for life.
1: Charred. Mm -hmm. So uh, I did find the card that you were talking about, Jr. called Showdown at the Corral. Mm. Calgary Corral in in Calgary on December 15th. Uh, This card commemorated the 50th anniversary of Stu Hart's first match. Eh, 50th, about 500th. (laughs) According to the Observer, the original lineup was the match, as you mentioned. Of course, none of them happened. Uh, Here's the card quick. The Cuban Assassin and Jerry Morrow defeated King Lau and Mike Anthony. Oh, King Lau. King Lau. Mock and Sing. I can't be who I think it is.
2: Oh, no. yeah, it's Norman.
1: Yeah, I guess it was Norman. The Pinned the Gothic Knight, uh, whoever that was. Rhonda Singh. Cool who the hell's Rhonda? The, the entire Sing family wrestled? No, Rhonda Singh, Singh is uh, that's uh, Bertha Faye. Oh, Is that Bertha Faye still? Okay. Pinned Casey Houston at 551. She came to the, oh, yeah, while well, Sing used her Bertha Faye music. I should have kept reading. Uh, Dan Crawford. Fought Jesse Helton to a no contest when Drago Zhivago came ringside. <laughs> um, what a name began harassing Crawford until Crawford invited him to the ring. Eventually, putting him in a sleeper and stripping him of his <laughs> stripping him of his pants. Uh, nice, <laughs> wow! This shit goes on in Calgary, huh? I'm like horny Zhivago. Jesus. <laughs> Horny Chivago, Horny Ivan Drago Shivago. Helton uh, came to the ring uh, to ABBA's. T- Everybody's coming into ABBA music. Uh, they're like, <laughs> came into uh, dancing. It is for Canada. Time. It is Canada. Chris Benoit pinned Rad Radford at 1128. Uh, Benoit used Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> and wow. Radford, came in, Radford came into the ring to U2's Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, which is far from oh, a wrestling that song. Is, I, what a, I
0: love that song, but no. I
1: love that song, too. Yeah, the wrestling song. For a theme. One, two, three, kid pinned Keith. <laughs> Keith, <laughs> Keith, Keith. Not fucking, Keith. Fucking Keith couldn't even win in his own fucking building. Uh and then inside crater cradle as hard attempted a figure. Four. Um <laughs> Keith, Oh God, you want to about a bad Keith came to the ring to Dan Fogelberg's leader of the band. That's terrible. <laughs> At least it wasn't Rhythm of the Rain. I guess that would have been worse. <laughs> that is true. And Kid came into some other generic music, apparently. Uh, Keith thanked everyone for showing up and wished his father an 80th happy 80th birthday and <laughs> thanks for showing up even though I wrestled um razor pinned Owen uh, right. Owen was embarrassed Ugh, to come nice. back to such a cesspool like Calgary <laughs> um, oh this might be actually be for once a decent match uh Pillman and Bruce defeated Terry and Dory funk match and then the main event was Brett and Davey boy okay so they did not run Brett and Sean <laughs> no they did not do. Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Sean was in the was not in the mood to get any heel heat that night because I'm sure that I'm sure that that would be the case event. So all
2: right, it picked up a little there on the back end.
1: Yeah, it did. After having to watch every sing and 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 crappy kid, crappy heart brother. Uh you do get some good stuff at the back end. So all right.
2: Let's get our final and, herb notes here so we can move along. November 16th, Survivor Series card pretty much in place. There's a lot of talk that Bret Hart will be winning the world title in the main event. The observer reports the locker room talk has it pegged as a done deal. I've heard one report that there'll be an additional match involving one, two, three, kid, and others not in the lineup yet. Perhaps a dark match. Of course, kid would just be inserted to that opener with Akushi. The first WCW pro wrestling show in New Japan wrestlers aired this past weekend and left me completely disgusted. Eric Bischoff's buddy, Sonny Ono, is playing a Japanese representative of New Japan. It is brought half of the, wrestler, half of the pro broadcast to showcase wrestlers from Japan. He and Chris Cruz do commentary, and it's abysmal since Oh No No Zero about pro wrestling. His commentary consists of xenophobic crap, like now we'll see superior Japanese athlete. Resistance is futile. Maybe the show was extra flat because the three wrestlers to get airtime were Ma- Masa Saito, Katsuki Sasaki, and Masa Chono, with three unimpressive squash matches. When Jushin Liger and Sujano Ortani are in the ring, it'll be interesting to see them try and convince us that they're heels. <coughs> Excuse me. The storyline will apparently have WCW lawyers determine that Bobby Heenan had no right to sell the TV time, at which point, Ono will become the heel manager of the angry New Japan wrestlers. One of the good things, although, is that likely won't bring on any change or education, is that the Japanese guys will win all the matches by submission. World War Three on November 26th is a 60 man battle royal, the All Japan Women's Tag. Ric Flair versus Sting, Luger versus Savage, Big Bubba versus Jim Duggan in a Tate Fist match. Most people were picking the giant Hulk Hogan, Sting, or Luger to win the title. As a way of pointing out that lots of former Dirty Wrestlers want to be where the big boys play, WCW is luring former stars, such as here we go, a list of luminaries, Rick Martell, Tito Santana, Sergeant Slaughter, and Iron Sheik for the Battle Royal. And of course, none of those guys are in the Battle Royal.
1: No. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Whalen Mercy has quit the dirty oh. And Barbarian Warlord, the powers of pain previously are now in under hoods as the masked super assassins. Raw vs. Nitro. Uh, The newest rating is a 2-3 to 2-1. Nitro won that one. The Observer had a blurb of a DODF meeting with Public Enemy on November 2nd. Melzer writes, while no deal is confirmed, it's generally believed that both sides were happy with the meeting, and it's likely a question of when rather than if. The meeting was set up through Paul Heyman. As DODF told Heyman, they don't want to hurt his group or go behind his back. Most likely, how it'll turn out is that the Titan Titan won't bring in Public Enemy until Heyman can finish off a storyline, which looks to be late January. Again, most likely the two will continue to use the names Rocka Rock and Johnny Grunge, doing similar characters but not using the name Public Enemy. The fact that both Dirty F and WC are so hot to pick up these guys shows what a master manipulator Heyman really is. He's the only one in wrestling of late who has really been able to create several new characters successfully. He's so good that even people who run wrestling companies haven't figured out the guys he's getting over or done more than him than the guys uh, actually being good workers, and though things wouldn't even be allowed within their group. Rocka Rock is a decent worker with willingness to do crazy stunts, to get over the WDF and WCW would never let anyone do. Johnny Grunge got over by having lengthy interviews and blading. They've had great brawls by doing these things, like breaking tables and blading, but it's not allowed in either promotion. That and the interviews and skits are how they get over. No doubt if they come in and dance, people will dance the dirty F. They'll make them another butchwhackers of PN News. There's nothing wrong with that. If all sides make money, that's what having a job and running a business are about. But there are people who f- got fooled into believing these guys are better workers than teams like the Heavenly Bodies and Smoking Guns. That's due to Heyman's credit. He also got a lot of people to believe Sabu is the best work- worker in the business process, <laughs> who probably now realize how far off the mark that really was. So, has a pay per view on December 17th. That's a uh, Bulldog versus Brett or Diesel. Starcade, the rumbles on January 21st. So that's it for Herb. Um a lot. It's a pretty loaded section there from Dave on uh that's all from Dave, those comments on Public Enemy. Uh of course, after all that they go to WCW <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's not late January. They debut on January 1st. I think they finish up House Party after that, though. They let them work that show before they go in full time. Um I, I think ODF could have really used them. The the tag division. Is probably at its all-time worst in 1996 in the WWF, so they probably could have been really good there. They're good in WCW, but they kind of get more lost in the shuffle a bit because their tag division is really good in '96. Uh, but any overall thoughts on on that section or anything else?
0: Do you agree that Paul is a master manipulator?
2: Oh, 100%. a genius! Yeah, 100. percent I mean, that's not to say these guys weren't working hard and good. I mean, they were they were good within that setting, but there's a ton of empirical evidence that a lot of dudes that jumped from ECW to the other two were never the same um, as they were in ECW. And a lot of that has to do with the crowd and the the booking. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Heyman. I mean, there's a reason ECW is what it was, Jenny. We're we're living it, watching it all, but like he, you know, the story on him has always been like hide the negative and focus on the positive and find what works and, and hammer it into the ground. And they've done that for a lot of dudes that would have been washed out of the business. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, think of all the guys that stuck around there and, you know, checks bouncing and all that kind of jazz. I mean, obviously, you know, if you could stick around and not get paid, Mm -hmm. then obviously he's doing, he's svengali you somehow. Um, This end of 95 is just rough for wrestling in general. I mean, Hogan really hasn't been, well, I mean, after losing to the Giant, he kind of, well, I guess he doesn't really vanish per se, but. I mean, it's just the end of '95 is rough. I mean, these house shows, he's they're given, they're still giving Hogan stuff out at, in the front row, and um, I mean, it's just it's rough. '96 at least we, we'll start to see a turn, but uh, yeah, this back. I mean, even the early half of '95 is not totally unwatchable, but the last like six months in both companies is just mm-hmm. is rough. It's really. I mean, rough. ECW blows them away. I mean, like totally. blows them away totally. Yeah, absolutely i loved watching 95 ecw in 95 it was that good Mm -hmm. um things definitely turn around for both companies in 96 in terms of you know movements and stuff but this is just this is just rough very rough right now
2: all right so uh herb is in the books and we're gonna go ahead and move along can take a deep breath after that long Melser rant <laughs> on Public Enemy and exhale like Whitney Houston was doing this week in 1995. Number one song in the nation is Exhale. And that brings us to Scott Scolo's Vintage. Everyone
1: falls in love sometimes. Sometimes it's wrong. And sometimes it's right. For everyone. Someone must fail, but there comes a point where. Uh, thank you, JR. Uh, yes, Exhale actually uh, debuted at number one on this week ending November 25th, 1995. Of course, it's from the movie Waiting to Exhale that she was in, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, it debuted at number one. So Whitney at her best as usual. Uh, fantasy, I
0: love that ball.
1: Uh, Do you remember the movie?
0: Oh, yeah. It's yeah. classic, yeah, for sure. Yeah,
1: um, "Fantasy" by Mariah Carey dropped out of the number one spot, and "Gangsta's Paradise" dropped from two to three. Uh, of course, they were one and two on our last mm-hmm. episode. "You Remind Me of Something" by R. Kelly at number four. You remind me of something that was would... toilet. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> you remind me of something that sends me to prison. Uh, at number five. Yes, at number five, a classic of PTB Hall of Fame lore. Hey, Lover by LL There you go. Hawk and Animal, uh, number six. Runaway at number uh, by uh, Janet. At number mm-hmm. six, Tell Me by Groove Theory. At number seven, Back for Good by Take That. At eight, Name by Goo Goo Dolls, which got embedded in my brain for most of those two that year and a half. At number nine, and Digging on You by TLC. At number ten, the music has been much better than the movies in '95, for sure. Yes, the move. The, yes, the music has been very good. Uh, so there's your top 10. So let's go from the radio to the, uh, big screen. And based on what I was looking at when I put this together, uh, funny you do say that JR, cause our last several episodes of movies have been kind of shit. This one actually might be one of the best top 10s of 1995. Uh, it includes a couple of debuts and the number one movie this weekend is probably one of the most iconic, uh, of the last probably 25 years so let's jump in at number 10 is home for the holidays number nine nick of time which i think was arnold i think it's an arnold movie i think yeah uh number eight was get shorty which we talked about on the last do you remember that movie jenny get shorty yeah
0: yeah i remember that
1: yep that was number eight uh it was number one uh, on our last episode number seven it takes two uh number six the american president Michael Douglas. It takes two, oh. I believe, as the Olsen twins. Was <laughs> it? I was yeah. going to ask. I'm pretty sure it's yep. the Olsen I'm twins. I'm pretty, yep. Number six, The American President with Michael Douglas and... Uh,
0: Annette Bening.
1: Uh, Annette Bening. Thank Dean you. Douglas, yes. Dean Douglas, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number five, the first of three debuts. Uh, many people called it Goodfellas Light, but it is definitely an exceptional movie in its own right, and that is Casino. Nice. Uh, I love Casino. De Niro, uh, Sharon Stone, and uh, Joe Pesci. Number four, Money Train. Number three, um, I'm curious your guys' thoughts on this sequel. It's not better than the first one, but
0: Ace American Ventura. When, oh,
1: okay. No, no. Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls.
0: Oh, well, cause that's great. It's great.
1: It, it's underrated historically. Yeah, it, it's, it's a really good movie. Super
0: holds up. like Well, I yeah. mean, in the way that Ace only can. But, yeah, uh, it's almost comparable to the original.
2: Mm. Yeah, I'd have the first higher, but, like, the second – I watched it a couple years ago, and I was like, "Oh, this really is so good." I mean, the freaking Monopoly (laughs) Man scene! Oh my god, I fucking love it! And the
0: Slinky scene kills Mm -hmm. me. I don't know why.
2: And the Rhino coming out of the Rhino and all that.
0: (laughs) Oh shit! Now I gotta watch
1: it. I know I I do too. It's a great great movie.
2: Oh my god!
0: God. Kind of hot. Rhinos
1: at number two uh, after one week in theaters. The first James Bond movie in six years. Golden. The oh Pro- yeah, Brosnan movie, and number one, making its debut week, probably the start of one of the most iconic animated franchises of all time. Jenny, can you guess?
0: Mm,
1: was it The Lion King? No, that was, year, that was year before close. Oh, okay, Toy Story, Toy Story, Yep. Toy Story, uh, pretty much kicked Pixar into high gear, right? I don't Pixar really wasn't much before this. Um, this is pretty much Pixar's. Yeah, this kicks beginning. On. After a few years of Disney doing regular animation, you know, like like you said, Lion King and Little Mermaid and that kind of stuff in the early '90s, this pretty much kicks the door in for Pixar, and Pixar has been doing it ever since. So made 29 million that weekend, and of course would spawn four sequels, including one in 3D. So yeah, so after quite a few episodes, Jr. of some shitty top tens for movies, it's actually probably one of the better movie top tens in uh, in a while so 1996 we'll get some good stuff too all right uh, as mentioned it's November the baseball seasons over congratulations to the Atlanta Braves finally winning a world championship yeah defeating the uh, defeating the Indians in six yes uh, well till <laughs> he get to 96 Jenny will not be uh, celebrating much uh, when we get there but anyway so let's go from uh, the diamond to the uh, rectangle field and take it.
2: All right, time to get into our NFL 95 96 season picks. Let's take a look at the overall scoreboard. Our first uh, dalliance in this uh, Steve Bennett defeated me 14 13. And then whipped up on old Rocco Martone 10 to seven. Lost to Steve Willie in a pathetic week last week, seven oh. to six. Uh, that was a, that was a tough one. A lot of bad teams played each other. So that brings us to a score of 28 for the opponents and 29 for yours. Truly. So uh, one point lead here heading into this week with Jenny. And and I, I think we to... only got two
1: more, right? This and one more probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, so you
0: like your odds on this night.
1: <laughs> well, uh, we'll just, see. You know, you know it's funny, Jenny. I'm trying to look back here. I don't think you have ever done uh, picks because the last, the last uh, vault you were with us on was Bash 07. and that was, of course, in July. So there was no football picks. Um, I don't even. Maybe back in the in the last uh, maybe, vault. Maybe in the, the previous. Pre- yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's, let's see now. I let's see how we do tonight. remembers. <laughs> All right, so this is Week 13. Of the nineteen ninety five NFL season, it's actually Thanksgiving, so we'll have two Thursday games, and hmm. then the rest. So we begin, obviously, at the uh, Silverdome in Pontiac, where the Lions uh, host the Minnesota Vikings. Jr. Um, all right. So I slept on
2: Detroit last time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take them now. Okay, Jenny.
0: Mm, yeah, I'll, I will too.
1: Probably the best game Scott Mitchell will ever play in his life. Throws for 410 yards. Barry rushes for 138. Lions win 44-38. to And, of course, the second game, we go to Texas Stadium in Irving where the Cowboys host the Kansas City Chiefs, Jenny.
0: Oh, um, let's do Cowboys.
1: Yeah, I'll take Dallas here. Yep, they win, of course, uh, Steve Bono of course, was now the starter for Kansas City, did throw for 276, and the Chiefs' defense held Emmitt only 56 yards, but the Cowboys win 24-12. to All right, the Sunday games. Let's go to Rich Stadium in Buffalo, where the Bills host the New England Patriots, Jr. Ooh. Um,
2: I feel like both teams are kind of sneaky bad here, but I'm going to go with Parcells at home, so I'll take the Pats.
1: Well, they're on the road. Yeah. Oh, either way. They're in, they're the in Buffalo. I'll take okay. Parcells either way. Okay, Jenny?
0: Mm-hmm. I'll take Buffalo.
1: Drew Bledsoe throws for 263. Future Jet, Curtis Martin, rushes for a buck 48. Patriots win 35-25. We go to the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis. The Colts hosting the Miami Dolphins, Jenny. Colts. Jer? Uh.
2: Yeah, the Colts were like sneaky good, right? They the to make the AFC title game. It's, it's Marino, though. It's a tough one. I'll go I'll go Indy though cuz I think
1: they were starting to heat up down the stretch into the playoffs. Uh, Marino throws for 254, but you're both correct. The Colts win 36-28. In a game that used to be called the Bay of Pigs in the 80s cuz both teams sucked. We go to Lambeau Field in Green Bay where the Packers host the Buccaneers, JR. I will take Green Bay. All right, Jenny.
0: I will also take Green Bay.
1: Brett Favre throws for I'm sorry, Trent Dilfer throws for 312. Uh, but the Packers win 35-13. to 13. Let's go down to Jacksonville to, I don't know what the hell, the, I guess the Gator Bowl, right? I guess. Uh, where the Jags host the Cincinnati Bengals, Jenny. Ooh. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to do
2: Jacksonville. Okay. Jer? I don't know if the Jags, I don't know what they even won that year. It was their first, first, first maybe three
1: games to get, game. but I'll, I'll take Cincy. Uh, all right. Uh, I guess uh, Mark Brunell must have been hurt. Steve Burline threw for two forty five, but the Bengals hold on for a seventeen thirteen victory. We go to Giant Stadium in the Meadowlands. The Giants host the Chicago Bears. Jr. Um, oh, yeah, two shit teams. Uh, all right, I'll take the Giants. Okay, Jenny.
2: Mm.
0: Fuck it, I'll take the Giants.
1: Eric Kramer throws for 268. Bears win 27 I almost said Bears. All right, let's go to RFK Stadium in our nation's capital where the Washington Redacted host the Philadelphia Piece of Crap Eagles. Jenny?
0: (laughs) The Piece of Crap Eagles, please.
1: Yeah, I'll take the Eagles. Uh, This game is a piece of crap. Uh, Heath Schuler, who was also a piece of crap, threw for 164, but the Eagles win 14-7. We go to the mistake by the lake. Municipal Stadium in Cleveland, where the Browns host the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jr. Uh, I will take the Steelers here, All right. Jenny. Mm,
0: I like Cleveland.
1: Uh, Neil O'Donnell throws for two fifty-one. Uh, the Steelers begin their march towards the Super Bowl with a twenty-to-seventeen win over the Browns. We go to Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe. The Cardinals host the Atlanta Falcons. Jenny. Ugh.
0: Uh. Cardinals.
1: Okay. We'll take uh the Atlanta Chatties. Uh Dave Craig, former Seahawk throws for 413 yards. Jesus. Cardinals win in overtime, 40 for 37. Little Chatty was very sad on that day. Uh let's go to the uh, Astrodome in Houston where the Oilers host the Denver Broncos, JR. Uh
2: I will take I'll take Elway. I'll take the Broncos.
1: All right.
0: Jenny, mm, I don't like the word Oilers, so I'm going to take the Broncos.
1: <laughs> well, John Elway did throw for 332, but the Oilers, crappy last yeah. name and all, but great uniforms, win 42 to 33. Let's go to the Kingdom in Seattle, where the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 Jets take on the Seahawks. Jenny, Seahawks. Yeah, sure. Seattle. How many games you win that year?
2: Uh, I believe this is the one win year. Well, guess what? This is it. This it. <laughs> no, <laughs> yep. Jets. This 16. might have been the three win. I'm just <laughs> I think it's the one win, and then I think the next year is the three, or yeah. maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. This might be the three win year actually. Well, the one. this is
1: one of the three. That's <laughs> win sixteen to ten. Like uh, we go to we go to Candlestick Park in San Francisco, where the Niners host the Rams. I'll take the uh, Niners. They are Niners. Niners. Yes, Steve Young's back. Throws for 226. Niners win big, 41 13. We go to the Superdome in New Orleans. The Saints host the Panthers. Uh, who's up, uh, Jenny?
0: Um, let's do the Saints.
1: Jr. Yeah, I'll take New Orleans. Uh, Kerry Collins throws for 335, but the Saints win at home, 34 to 26. And finally, on Monday night in San Diego at the Murph, the Chargers host the Raiders. Jr. Oh, uh I
2: think like we didn't talk a bunch of these things last time. I will take they I guess the whole AFC West must have been on by, I guess. Yeah. I was going to talk about him. Um
1: Chargers Chi uh where's the Chargers Raiders? I'll take the Chargers. Okay, Jenny. Chargers. Stan Humphreys throws for two thirty six. The defending AFC champion chargers win in a snoozer twelve to six.
2: All right. And uh, you had a good showing, Jenny. You I be did, didn't
0: I? I'm not, I'm not mad at that at
2: all. 11-9 is your final. Um, I like so I it. do pick up a couple games, though. So I mm-hmm. push my overall to three. So our guest next week will be on the hook to uh, try and make up a three-game deficit
1: to win for the away team. against right. uh, myself on this. So, so. So, so there you go. Yes. So there you go. All right. Uh, quick uh hoop and hockey check before we get to what Jenny really wants to talk about uh the NBA season in full swing of course the Rockets are the defending world champions full slate of games on this date November 22nd of 95 JR's two teams played each other grandmama complete with your jersey 44 points but the uh Hornets uh lose to the Celtics 129-124 lame uh I don't think the Lakers played that day they did not so out of the gate, Magic and the Knicks in the Atlantic 9 and 2, Bulls start out 9 and 1, we know what happens to them. Uh, the Rockets and Jazz tied in the Midwest 9 and 1, 10 and 2, and the uh, Kings lead the Pacific at 7 and 4. Uh we'll skip hockey cuz I think only a couple teams played anyway. So let's get to the fun stuff. All right. So like I mentioned, like we've mentioned JR, it just seems funny, it just seems fitting that the way the calendar works the nights of pay-per-views in 2009 is also, I guess, a Wednesday or Thursday. I forgot what day of the week it was at this time. In 1995, that it was the night for an amazingly delicious episode of Beverly Hills 9 So on this night, November twenty second, 1995, it is the 156th overall episode and the 12th of the season, season 6. The episode is called Breast Side Up. Mm. Outfitting. fitting no of course it is the uh based on the timeline of course it is the Halloween uh the Thanksgiving episode and they always did one uh incidentally the previous week was the final episode for Mr. McKay mm. of course Tony was murdered because the father fucks up well actually the guy Jason the killer fucked up because he was supposed to kill Dylan very gut-wrenching episode Dylan of course screaming as he's holding Tony in his arms uh he tells, do you remember the great quote uh guys by Dylan to Marchette when he wants when he wants Dylan to kill him? You remember the quote Dylan says?
0: Go fuck yourself.
1: Close. That would be great on Fox. He says, My father's dead, your daughter's dead, we're even. Damn. The killing stops. And then of course Dylan rides off in his motorcycle, and we don't see him for Mm-hmm. Almost three years. He's done, finished. He's not back until almost this exact episode in season, season nine.
2: eight, uh, nine. Yeah,
1: season nine. So, all right. Anyway, so Colin and Susan leave for New York to spend Thanksgiving with their families. Good because no one likes well, oh, Susan. We, we don't mind. You don't like Susan. Nobody likes uh, Colin. I... Colin sucks. Gang decides to spend the holiday together, and David invites his mother to join them. Mm. She annoys Valerie with her constant advice about food preparation, but saves the day when Val accidentally sleeps in. Claire takes Steve to a faculty mixer where he proves to be a big hit because of his excellent social skills and ends up fully winning Claire's heart. Donna gives a disposi- a deposition that does not reflect favorably on Joe. remember Joe? Yes Claire Joe as a birthday surprise though she arranges a visit Steve Young from his hero San Francisco 49ers quarterback Man, that's why
2: he didn't play in that game
1: episode exactly all <laughs> fitting, right? Uh, she also plans to sleep with Joe. Oh, Donna, Donna! Mm-hmm. But in a crazy twist, he reveals that he is a virgin. Mm-hmm. Does not no. believe in premarital sex. So the one time Donna decides time to do it, he says, "Nope." What Kelly hangs out at. Blamo This is a terror. This is a- <laughs> this is a great description. <laughs> Kelly hangs out at Brandon's house to watch videos. What
2: the fuck is
1: that? It's the Um, the 90s. Watch videos. Watch videos and spends the night in Steve's vacant room. Mm. Valerie jumps to conclusions when she comes home the next morning and sees Brandon and Kelly in an embrace. Mm. Mm. Not a Susan fan, huh, Jenny? Hell no. Were Were any of Brandon's girlfriends not named... Emily or Kelly any good anyway? Not really.
0: Uh, Kelly's debatable.
1: Well, Kelly's debatable in a lot of ways. But, uh, yeah. Um, Joe. I'm trying to... I kind of remember Joe. I know Joe was oh, kind cool. of... Like I like the, Joe. Yeah, it's well, up... kind of like the, the swerve for Ray, because Ray, I think, is still around. It's a setup. It's a setup for Ray, because she starts talking to Ray.
2: Um, or she already... Been... No, he's the follow-up to Ray. Yeah, he's a follow he, he start, She starts dating him after Ray. Right. They, he ends up getting a job as like a high school coach
1: in like, in kids, like whatever. Whatever. he wants her to move with him and she doesn't. And then they bring right. up. Yeah. Him and, uh, and then I think within the, I think it's the next week or probably the week after, I think Ray is gone, hmm. not for good, but as a regular. I think he comes hmm. back at the end of this season. And then I think he comes back like in season nine somewhere or something. And, but that's pretty much it for Mr. Pruitt. Um, yeah, this was like annoying. This was definitely, Jenny, like the annoying Kelly Wheelhouse. Um, obviously, this was her, you know, coke year because of Colin. But um, anyway, so there you go. Breast side up. hearty mm. fucking har har. Uh, and that is your Pop Culture Corner. Okay.
2: Let's fast forward ahead then. We're going to go all the way up 14 years to talk Survivor Series 2009.
0: It's hard to find when you're the king of man. If I can get through this, I
2: can get through it. November 22nd from the Verizon Center in Washington, D.C., 12,500 in attendance. Uh, 225,000 buys. The 23rd edition of Survivor Series was also almost the last. Vince McMahon announced that February of 2010 the Survivor Series as a pay per view was being retired and renamed. Fan backlash and online petitions changed his mind, and the pay per view continued on. To the I don't actually remember that at
1: all.
0: Somebody changed Vince's mind about something.
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm reading it. Vaguely remember it, but I would have never remembered that without. Yeah, I, I I definitely remember uh remember the like uh, emails, and I remember like uh, stuff on the website. Would you know polls should Survivor Series stay? And like, you know, it was like 89% said yes and all that kind of stuff, so.
2: Hmm.
1: Something like that. But yeah, I definitely remember there being uh, shit about that. Definitely.
2: All right. It is Washington, D.C.'s fifth pay-per-view. The last one had been Cyber Sunday, 2007. On October 26th, Raw, NASCAR racers Kyle Busch and Joey Logano were uh, co-guest hosts. On 11-2, Ozzy and Sharon Osbourne served as co-guest hosts as the show included a segment called Raw's Got Talent. And the highlighted segment is Chris Masters bouncing his pecs to the baseline of Crazy Train. <laughs> November 3rd, Rey Mysterio Behind the Mask book was released uh, beginning on 11-4. Dirty, F- or Dirty E did a two-week tour of Europe, including TV in England. On the 11-9 Raw, British boxer Ricky Hatton was the guest host. The next week, Rowdy Roddy Piper was the guest host. And Lillian Garcia returned for one night to sing the national anthem. On November 20th, SmackDown, Vince McMahon named Vicky Guerrero as GM Teddy Long's consultant to help get him off probation. (laughs) The Teddy Long saga (laughs) continues. Jesus. Our doc match Soros Santino Morella take on Chavo Guerrero. We then get an opening package featuring some historical Survivor Series clips. Stopping at Taker's debut, hits the top matches tonight. Michael Cole, Matt Stryker, and Jerry the King Lawler welcome us into DC. We head to the ring for our opening match, which is a classic Survivor Series tag between Evan Bourne, John Morrison, Finley, Matt Hardy, and Shelton Benjamin taking on The Miz, Dolph Ziggler, Jack Swagger, Drew McIntyre, and Sheamus. And Scott, how did this classic Survivor Series match come about?
1: Well, uh, let us begin with our pay per view debut of a new guy who, within the next month, will be a major player in this company for many, many, many years to come. Uh, Stephen Ferrelli, uh, Ferrelli Brothers, now, uh, trained to be a wrestler at the Monster Factory in 2002 and made his debut that year under the name Seamus O'Shaughnessy. And he would return to his native Ireland and compete there as well as across the United Kingdom. Mm. In 2006, he would make an appearance on Raw as a security guard. Really? I don't remember that. And worked for a few tryout matches before signing in 2007. He would work FCW and won numerous titles while also working in dark matches in 2008. In the summer of 2009, he would debut on ECW under the shortened name of Sheamus and feuded with Goldust and Shelton Benjamin. And he would be moved over to Raw in October And made an impact by retiring Jamie Noble as he makes Mm -hmm. his pay per view debut here. On the 1026 Raw, Dr. Bourne, no, Evan Bourne defeated The Miz by countout in a non title match after Swagger got involved. On the 1027 ECW, uh, Sheamus defeated Benjamin in what was Sheamus's last match on The Brand as he had debuted on Raw the night before. On the 1030 SmackDown, Ziegler confronted Morrison about losing his match at Bragging Rights while Morrison and Ziegler uh, said Ziegler wasn't even on the show and they would have a non-title match with Ziegler winning by count out. Later that night McIntyre and Finlay went to a no contest when McIntyre attacked Finlay before the match. On the 11/2 Raw, Miz defeated Born to retain the US title. On that week's SmackDown on 11/6, Ziegler and the Heart Dynasty defeated Morrison in Crime Time in a six-man tag. On the 11/9 Raw, this match was announced as Born defeated Swagger after a distraction from Miz. On the 11/13 SmackDown, McIntyre and Finlay would wrestle to a no contest. When they refused to listen to the ring, and McIntyre would fit, uh, hit Finley with the shillelagh twice, and later that night Morrison would retain the IC title over Ziegler on the eleven sixteen Raw, Miz would defeat MVP to retain the US title, while Swagger defeated Born in a match, and Sheamus would challenge anyone to face him before attacking Jerry Lawler on the eleven twenty SmackDown, McIntyre defeated Finley in their rubber match, while Morrison defeated Ziegler in a two out of three falls match to retain the IC title. So a lot of action leading up to this one, a lot of people.
2: Yeah, and it's, you know, we talked about it. Our last show, Bragging Rights, is like we're doing mm-hmm. the same shit here, but here we go. Pretty much. Yeah, so, pretty much. Miz kicks us off yet again, holding down the upper mid card. Good choice to start. We get entrances one by one, mostly filled with the young up-and-comers. King talks about getting kicked in the face by Sheamus on Raw. Uh, Hardy gets a big pop. All the sins of earlier in the year seem to be washed away from his heel term. Born and Swagger start off, and Born flies around, but Swagger quickly overpowers, tags in Dolph. Gets a quick strike attack on the neck, trying to put him away, but Bourne survives until Swagger comes back and cranks on the neck. Dolph is in. Born's in the soup, trapped with nowhere to go. Bourne finally escapes. He attacks Hardy, who works over Dolph. Tags uh, Bourne back in. He finishes Dolph with Air Bourne. Pretty surprising to see Dolph go out that early, actually. Drew comes right in. He eliminates Bourne with a double underhook DDT, so we're back even. Mm-hmm. Finley's in. He's hammering on Drew, running through some amped offense, so Drew fights him off and tags Sheamus. They stare down, but Sheamus lands a huge kick. And Finley is cooked. Pretty tough showing for him. He did not get much in. Hardy's in. We get a few shots, but Sheamus blocks a side effect into a slam, pounds on Hardy and grabs some near falls. Miz comes in and keeps Hardy trapped in the corner with strikes and a chin lock and a chancery. Hardy rallies out. hits a slop drop, but Swagger comes in before Matt can tag. Swagger works the neck and back, but Matt escapes and tags. Morrison comes in and cuts through Swagger, lays him out with a great kick, but things break down to a big brawl with everyone in the ref gets nailed in the crossfire. Morrison counters a gut wrench and twists into a shining wizard and a starship pain and swagger's done. Miz decks Morrison from behind and stomps away on the neck until Morrison tags Shelton. He goes through Miz and flies around, and gets 200 Northern Lights suplex. We find out the original referee has a concussion due to the need of the head by Sheamus. Uh, so we roll on. Shelton gets close on Miz, but can't miss. And Sheamus nails Shelton from behind. Miz hits the skull crushing finale. He's done. Hardy comes in as Drew gets a tag. He fights off the whole team, but Drew overpowers him. Hardy comes back with a neckbreaker and follows with a middle rope leg drop for two. Seamus nails Hardy and Drew finishes with a DVT, and Morrison is stuck here uh, three on one. Drew and Sheamus batter Morrison until Miz comes in. The old friends go back and forth. Morrison gets swarmed over and trapped. Morrison sets up a springboard kick, but Sheamus blocks him and finishes him with a Celtic cross to win. Uh, pretty decent classic Survivor Series match. Got a lot of time, featured everyone, especially Sheamus, who really presented very strong across the board and dominated in the end. Uh, it's nice that it wasn't just one-on-one. I like that they start off with three big heels winning, standing tall. Uh, second straight show, Miz wins in the opener. Good showcase as well for these new potential star so I went three and a quarter. I liked it as an opener.
1: Solid Survivor match and a lot of good shine. Uh, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I The heels were all the guys that needed the shine, So, um, it made sense. It made sense to have them, uh, to have them, you know, come out on top. I gave the match uh three and a half. I liked a little bit better than you actually. Um, Miz needs to keep building, uh, and get better and better because he's a guy they're going to obviously lean into for the next decade, which they end up doing. Um, so. I like this as an opener. I think it shows that the company's trying to stretch the roster and, and debut new talent. I mean, they're all heels, but, uh, they are looking good and, uh, the crowd was hot for them. So the company's got a, got a solid mid card of young talent, Jenny, to really push heading into the new year. Um, while the, while the main event kind of tries to deglug itself, I guess, <laughs> for lack of a better <laughs> technical term. Um, uh, but I enjoyed it. I think it was a great first match and it shows that, that there is a growth of, of young talent moving up.
0: It does look that way. D glug, huh? I don't know about that.
1: Um,
0: I <laughs> poor Finley got his head kicked off. Um, Seamus was really out to hurt some people. In this match. It looked like he was very brutal. Um, I love Finley. So I was disappointed that he got kind of, Uh, Concussed uh, very early in the match Um, But, you know I like, like you said, the youngsters Not all the um... Well, Evan Bourne is interesting I don't know him very much But he had a great um, move And uh, some good shine in this match too The Miz is fantastic Uh, Mm -hmm. Always fun to watch He had some good eliminations Um, I like Drew in this uh, Except for No beard that doesn't really work for me. But um, he was really good, uh, especially against Matt Hardy in this one. And I really like Miz and Morrison uh, when they're pitted against each other in this continuing their story. And uh, maybe a touch too much Jack Swagger for me in this one. Um, But I like the finish. And I did three and a half as well.
2: Is this it for Finley? I mean, it's going to be close, I think. I don't know if this is. It, it, but I don't think he's around much longer actively. I don't think so either. His agent role. Yeah. I mean, him versus Sheamus, his career. Well, it's kind of cool, the Irish guys, like, going to battle. Yeah, but...
0: yeah, they're fucking <laughs>
2: and, that, and that was Seamus' thing, right? I mean, he ended Jamie Noble's career on ECW. Like, this was kind of, like, what they were doing. It was like, he's this wrecking guys, mm-hmm. so. Anyway. Um, all right. Team Kofi is backstage prepping, trying to loosen up Christian. He says he's different from the rest of the team. MVP says, nah, you're one of us. And Henry says their goals to win. And our truth agrees. Christian says he feels better now because he's the only guy from ECW. And he's the only <laughs> Canadian, but Canadians are good rappers. And he cuts a freestyle that includes four of us to black and one of us are white, everyone's kind of quiet. And then they all laugh and hug. It <laughs> out. I like this. And that's pretty funny. Um, as far yeah, as, as these backstage segments go. I thought I thought this one was good.
0: It was funny, but not because of Christian, but because of our truth, who is amazing. <laughs> His face. <laughs> His face. <laughs> and he was the one sort of egging Christian on. Um right. he was killing me in this little skit, so this was great.
2: It was good. Yeah. Mm. All right, we get a video package for our next match, which is Rey Mysterio versus Batista. Ooh. This is coming off the awesome heel turn last month at Bragging Rights. Uh, Scott, what has happened since that turn?
1: Uh, it's just gotten better and better. Mm-hmm. On the 10-30 SmackDown, Mysterio cut a promo saying he still considered Batista's friend despite what happened at Bragging Rights. Batista would come out and demand Mysterio leave the ring, though Mysterio reminded him it was a fatal four-way. He said that he wouldn't have been in the match if it would have affected their friendship, and as he brought up Eddie Guerrero, Batista would coldly say, Eddie's dead before leaving the ring. He would run into Matt Hardy backstage, who warned Batista not to do anything he would regret, only for Batista to attack him. That was cool. On the 11-6 SmackDown, this match was announced. As Mysterio said, Batista showed a side of him he never thought existed, though he would return the favor at the pay-per-view, and Batista would cut a promo saying he wasn't there to make friends but to win the world title. On the 11-13 SmackDown, the two men would sign the contract as Batista also made Mysterio sign a hold harmless agreement saying Batista wouldn't be held responsible for what he does and he threatened to break Mysterio's neck as Mysterio would flip the table on top of Batista. And on the 11-20 SmackDown, Batista defeated Hardy in a match and vowed Mysterio would never humiliate him again and later that night he would attack Mysterio during his match with Tyson Kidd only for Mysterio to escape. So Batista just got better and better.
2: You're supposed to be my friend! (laughs)
1: It's
2: <laughs> been boiling since Batista turned on his friend and solidified that heel run. Good pop for Ray as he heads out. We'll get talk about how Ray must be feeling with all this. Batista stalks out with all his heel swag dripping. Ray dances on the floor as Batista paces in the ring. We get started with Ray sticking and moving. Tries to 619 as Batista rolls outside. Batista yanks Ray right to the floor, slams him hard to the apron. Back inside, Ray tries to sprint up. Batista cuts him down hard. Batista hammers on Ray. Ray slips down and takes out his leg and tries to end it. Batista blocks a 619, but to Ray flips Batista outside and meets him with a baseball slide. Ray slugs Batista as he comes back in. It's a 619 to the kidneys and another one to the ribs in a cool-looking spot. Ray kicks Batista to the ropes. It's a standard 619. Springboard senton goes to the top. The crowd is a little split here, though. Ray stalls for a second. He gets the knees on a splash. Batista crushes Ray with a methodical spine buster and a powerbomb and then a Batista bomb. Batista loads Ray up for another one, hits a third power bomb, and the ref calls for the bell and ends the match by knockout. Batista grabs the chair after the bell, drags Ray up, and spinebusters him on the chair to a mixed pop. Ray gets stretched out as Cole says Batista never even tried to pin Ray the entire match, This is a great point by him. Oh, yeah. Uh, fun match. I love the unique structure. It allowed Ray to get offense in believable way before Batista just ended him. Uh, it felt like a serial killer the way he just finished him yes. off. <laughs> Uh The crowd being a bit out of Ray was interesting. We'll see if that's more Ray or Batista. Uh, but this was short, and it was executed really well. Heel uh, Batista has been awesome so far. Uh, I love the dominant finish, Jenny. Three stars for me. This was super fun to watch.
0: Oh, my God, it was. I love this feud. Uh, this is great. I love their size difference, and... I love the offense that Ray does get on him because he is just really just trying to strike wherever he can. Like he goes for the legs, you know, he does the ropes thing. And I think Batista just sort of lets him just sort of plays with him, Right. Like, (laughs) all right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he's getting his shit in and it looks good. And Ray does. I mean, Batista doesn't Doesn't seem super phased by it, but he lets it happen. Right. So, he is a fucking unhinged bastard it was so fucking great he would not stop with the bombs he was just murdering poor Ray Um, he's just so freaking trying to think if there's anybody maybe a Vader but like he is top 10 of scary ass wrestlers and I love it and um, poor Ray uh, I don't know man Uh, I don't I don't think it's him I think the crowd just likes Batista <laughs> and I don't blame mm. them. Yeah, I think it's, it's more of that too. It's just great. So uh, three and one quarter, Scott. I can't hear you. You're muted.
1: Yep, I know. Sorry. I was on another screen. Um, yeah, I, it was, there's nothing much to say. I mean, it's just a, an absolute like murdering pretty much. And it's what it, it was what it was meant to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, there's just no doubt that Batista was ready to do this. Um, we talked about it, JR, in the last episode. He just, he just wasn't, um, you know, just tired of losing title matches and constantly getting them and constantly blowing them. Um, and, and like I said, Ray is the perfect guy to do it with. Cause you can throw him around like a lunatic and make it look great. Um, Yeah. There's really not much more to say in terms of, I mean, it's just a good bludgeoning. And I think Ray, I think Ray actually leaves for a little bit. I think he sells this for a while. I don't Mm. think we see him until probably January. Um, Which is what it should be. So I, I just, I love seeing it. It was needed for Batista's character. Um, Kind of spruces up the, the main event scene on either show, wherever he goes. And, uh, and it fits well. So I enjoyed it. It was just a fun uh, way to give Ray a break, make him very sympathetic, even though he was getting booed. And uh, people were, dig- you know, probably the, you know, like all those anti-Cena guys were probably digging Batista, just absolutely destroying this little tiny guy. So it worked perfectly. It was a good visual and it worked psychologically for the character. So I enjoyed it. Worked out well.
2: Randy Orton's backstage gives his team a backhanded pep talk saying he expected to feel better about this team when he first formed it, but he's not feeling as good now. And that brings us to team Orton versus team Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton, CM Punk, William Regal, Rhodes and DiBiase versus uh, Kofi Kingston, MVP, Mark Henry, Christian and
1: R-Truth. And uh, Scott, how did we find our way into this survivor series match? All right. Well, on the 1026 raw Orton attacked Kingston after his match as he blamed Kingston for losing at bragging rights, and Legacy would try to cheer Orton up by presenting him with a custom race car. Later that night, MVP and Henry defeated Legacy as Orton would come out and demand a title rematch, but Kingston would appear in the Tron and destroy the car. On the 10:27 ECW, Christian retained the ECW title over Yoshi Tatsu. I forgot about him and went to help him to his feet, but Vladimir Kozlov and Ezekiel Jackson would attack both men as Regal held the title belt up. On the 10:30. SmackDown, Punk demanded a title match against The Undertaker only to get a match with referee Scott Armstrong, which he would win in a squash. On the 11-2 Raw, Kingston and Orton had a match that saw Legacy get involved and it was turned into a six-man tag as Kingston would team with MVP and Henry to defeat Legacy. On the 11-3 ECW, Christian and Regal went back and forth with GM Tiffany making a match for the title next week. And later that night, Christian and Tatsu defeated Kozlov and Jackson only for Christian to get attacked by Regal, Kozlov and Jackson after the match. On the 11-6 SmackDown, Truth defeated Punk after Scott Armstrong gave a fast count after Punk told him to count faster. Uh, On the 11-9 Raw, Kingston and Henry were on the VIP lounge as this match was announced until Legacy interrupted and ran all three men down, and Orton would defeat Henry in a match only for Kingston to clear Orton from the ring. On the 11-10 ECW, Christian would defeat Regal to retain the aforementioned ECW title. On the 11-12 Superstars, we're crossing over four shows here, MVP defeated DiBiase thanks to Henry on the 11-3 thir- uh, Smack. I'm sorry, on the 13 SmackDown, Punk cut a promo saying the UK fans were weak like the American fans, and he would then defeat Truth in a match. On the 11-16 Raw, guest host Roddy Piper challenged Vinnie Mac to a street fight, only for Orton to come out and attack him until Kingston made the save, and the two men brawled into the crowd with Kingston giving Orton the boom drop through a table. On the 11-17 ECW, Regal and Punk defeated Christian and Truth in a tag. On the eleven nineteen Superstars, Henry defeated Rhodes in a match. And on the eleven twenty SmackDown, Punk cut a promo on the fans as he put a carton of cigarettes, a bottle of pills, and a bottle of whiskey into a trash can. But Truth would come out and give Punk a DDT before dumping the contents of the can onto Punk. Whew, a lot going on. Right.
2: A lot in this brand supremacy battle. Punk heads out first. Stryker leans in on the straight-edge superstar stuff. Regal's out, followed by Legacy, a big pop for Orton. Cole talks up Orton's Survivor Series successes. Kofi's the first out on the other side. It's a big spot for him. Elevation point. And then the rest of the team behind him. Henry and Orton kick us off. Henry uses his power to dominate. Cleans out in the corner as well. Things break down for a minute as Legacy distracts. Orton slaps out at RKO and quickly eliminates Mark Henry. A very tough night. He's up there with Finley for maybe worst outings (laughs) of the evening. Uh, MVP comes in, gets trapped right away in the corner. Buried in a barrage of strikes. Truth tags in. Takes a run through Punk, but Cody distracts and Punk takes him out with a go to sleep. Kofi's team in the soup as Christian comes in, works over Punk. DiBiase tags in. We get some back and forth and Christian gets a top rope sunset flip. DiBiase's done. Kofi's in hot. Cuts through Regal with a flurry and fights as best he can. Regal takes over. Kofi falls back and MVP tags himself in. Slips in with a cherno kick and Regal's night is over. MVP works over Cody, gets some close near falls, and tags Christian. Does the same till Cody counters the superplex. Christian gets worked over by all three guys for a bit until MVP tags in. But an Orton distraction leads to a crossroads. MVP's out. Kofi comes in and brings it all to Cody. Uh, And then Christian tags in, finishes Cody with a kill switch. We're down to four, two on two. Christian dodges an RKO, gets a kill switch, but Punk saves in a great near fall. Punk distracts Christian. He misses a charge, and Orton snaps off an RKO. Christian's done, and we're down to Kofi. The crowd is trying to rally him to take out his rival, but Orton tags in Punk as Stryker <laughs> talks about their history as a team. We get a good back and forth between the two with Punk surviving SOS and then dodging a splash to the corner before landing some strikes. Orton stands at ringside as Punk works over Kofi with kicks and strikes and works on the neck. Kofi keeps hanging in as Punk is picking him apart. Kofi comes roaring back, but Orton distracts, but it backfires as Kofi eliminates Punk with a roll-up. Orton comes in. Kofi nails him with Trouble in Paradise and gets the win to a big pop. In a really great moment for Kofi, uh, it was very Express Lane Survivor Series match. A lot of quick eliminations, a brief shine, not a lot of time to give the match a room to breathe and grow into something that could have excelled. Kofi really benefits here, though; gets the biggest win. I thought Punk looked good as well, but no one else besides those two I thought came in, uh, came out looking better than when they came in. I mean, Orton still a centerpiece, uh, using his mind games of control It was good to get him away from Cena for for a show. And a fun match, I think, could have been next level if you gave it more time. A little bit better booking, Scott. As is, I went three and a quarter, and it's really a big moment for
1: Kofi. We'll see if they maintain. Well, he obviously, you know, uh, three stars for this one. Uh, Obviously, he was kind of the centerpiece of the um, build, you know, the whole race car and all that. And so, Kofi definitely, and this continues the youth movement that we're seeing Mm -hmm. in the company getting a lot of camera shine, and he gets it here as well. Um, you mentioned, uh, we mentioned on the last show about Orton kind of now out of the title picture after a very long run with it, dating back to, you know, October of 07. Um, and now I think it's official. I think sticking he's not in, you know, they don't put him in, in either title match on the show and he's stuck in this, in this survivor match. And I think that pretty much answers that question. So, and that's fine, you know, two years of it, 77 Cena matches I think it's okay to transition him to something else for a little bit while other people get a get a shot so uh, I thought it was fine Jenny I mean Kofi definitely is a guy that that just like the other Sheamus and others in the first match are somebody they're looking at for the future and um, you know to be the last one is a big deal in this case.
0: Yeah, as it should be. And taking out Punk and Orton uh, to boot is kind of a big deal. Um, I thought Kofi was really good in this. Um, But before he ekes out that win, um, I was kind of feeling like the crowd was super hot for this. Like, probably more than any other match so far which kind of surprised me seems like it took a mom, a minute to warm up um but they really like this and i i was kind of worried it was gonna end up being the punk show because <laughs> mm. uh you know that, that's not kind of what i'm here for so i really enjoyed when randy just casually tagged punk in <laughs> to get the fuck away that was a great moment for me i loved that um and you know, this, it was good. I I might have liked the other one just a tad better, Um, but you're right. It, it did have a lot of rushed moments there and quick eliminations. So I did uh three and one quarter.
2: All right. We get clips from SmackDown, a big show leaving Undertaker laid out, but then Jericho taking out his tag partner the big show. Leads us to our first triple threat world title match of the evening as the Undertaker is defending against Jericho, big show, and Chris Jericho, Scott. How did this uh, three-way dance come about?
1: Well, on the 10-26 uh, Raw, Jericho cut a promo about bragging rights as Jericho took credit for SmackDown's win as the captain and Show told him that he was promised a world title shot if he turned on Raw. Show would then be forced into a match of Triple H in a lumberjack match and he was assaulted by the Raw roster as revenge for his actions. On the 10-30 SmackDown, Teddy Long held a celebration for SmackDown as Jericho came out to again take credit while saying he deserved the title shot more than Show since he was the face of SmackDown and Kane would come out and also demand a shot as Long said the two would face off with the winner joining the title match to make it a triple threat. In the main event, Jericho would defeat Kane to get that spot. On the 11-2 Raw, Jericho defeated Show and John Cena in a triple threat match when he pinned Cena after Show knocked Cena out and they would also lay DX out after the match. On the 11-6 SmackDown, Taker cut a promo on debuting at Survivor Series. Of course, he did almost uh, what would be... 29 years ago at that point. And on uh I'm sorry, 19 years ago, not 29, 19 years ago, uh Taker cut a promo on debuting at Survivor Series and on facing Jericho Show at the pay-per-view, and Jericho would come out and say he was the new phenom as the two men brawled with Taker sending Jericho from the ring. On the 11 9 Raw, Jericho Show interrupted guest host Ricky Hatton as Jericho bragged about his recent wins until DX interrupted in a non-title match. Between the two teams was made, and in the main event, DX defeated Jericho after Show accidentally knocked Jericho out. On the 11-13 SmackDown, Taker defeated Jericho in a non-title match. A Show came out and helped Jericho double-team Taker until Kane made the save. On the 11-16 Raw, Taker and John Cena defeated DX and Jericho in a triple threat tag, only for Taker to give Cena the tombstone after the match. On the 11-20 SmackDown, Jericho cut a promo on facing Taker at the pay-per-view with Show pranking Jericho, by turning the lights off. And in the main event, Jericho and the brothers of destruction went to a no contest when show took out Taker and Kane before helping Jericho up only for Jericho to give him the code breaker as he posed with the world title. So once again, everybody everywhere, all at once. Big triple with the right here.
2: Show and Jericho
1: elevate back to the top title
2: picture, have a chance to work together, but also try and survive each other to take the gold. Taker has as his usual intense entrance, get a big pop Show has a big brace on his knee. Him and Jericho work together to start, trying to pummel and smother Taker. Striker says the world title's never changed hands in D.C. Crowd trying to will Taker through this early beating. He comes punching back into things, gets crotched on the barricade. The champs take back over, working together, and then back inside. Taker comes slugging back at the Snake Eyes and Jericho, fights off Show. Jericho tries a springboard splash, but jumps right into a hard right hand from Taker. who comes back and works the arm. Jericho slips in a superplex on Taker, but can't cover quickly enough. He then keeps working the back to follow up. Show takes out his partner and tries a choke slam, but Taker counters her DDT. Show is hurting with his bad knee as him and Taker slug it out. Taker and Show fight over a choke slam, but Jericho comes in with a title. He gets cut down by Taker, who loads Jericho in the last ride, but Jericho hits him with the belt and covers slowly for two. Jericho loads a tombstone, but Taker reverses it. However, Show slugs Taker in the head and gets two, but Jericho makes a save. Jericho gets knocked out by Show, who tries to load a choke slam, but Taker sinks backward and hooks the Hell's Gate on Big Show to get the submission win. This is fine. Uh, again, it was it was slow and clunky, but not a surprise given who's in there. The crowd was really into Taker. It had some good drama. It was kept tight. Uh, Taker rolls on as champion. It was a pretty obvious finish. I didn't see Jericho or show winning it's crazy how Jericho was such a dominant force in 08 in the title picture it feels like really had no chance here a uh, solid match but what do you expect it did pick up late the finish was good it was hard fought jenny It went 3 and a quarter for these guys
0: yeah it's uh, the the pacing was an issue for me <laughs> especially cuz you could see jericho's you know in slow motion, trying to slow down, <laughs> not keep up, but slow down with, mm-hmm. with the olds um, and the broken's in show. Like man, they can barely hobble around, <laughs> but I, I yeah, it was fine. It didn't, um, it didn't out, it didn't overstay its welcome. So I appreciated that. Um, crowd likes Taker, you know. I guess I was a little surprised by. That. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. It, uh, it it's definitely been the worst match of the show so far. So I did three.
1: Um, I gave it three as well. Um, I think it was a good match just to give Taker, you know, a title match here. Um, I agree that there were there were some slow spots. Um, big show. Just, I, I just don't think big show looks very good right now. We talked nope. about this. we talked about this Jr. in the last show takers looking like he did, um, in 2006 before he took a break because he looked like he was going to die. Um, he doesn't look as, you know, you know, his eyes don't look as sunken or whatever, as he did at, uh, December to dismember Oh six. But, uh, he, he was got, he got trim. He looked really good in Oh eight. And then he just got big and beefy again and just very slow and plotting. Um, Jericho's like in a good groove here, but yeah, I, it's actually a good point by Jenny that they he kind of had to like slow down so they could keep up. Yeah, um, he was
0: like at half speed.
1: Yeah, and you know, Taker just take Taker's in a good groove right now, but this was just not a good mix for him. Having said that, three stars—I still give it three stars. I still thought it was a solid match, but um, it was not a very good uh, combination of workers to keep a good flow going. All right, Josh Matthews talks to The Miz, Sheamus,
2: and McIntyre as they brag up their big win, which I kind of liked kind of hyping up the young heel guns there. Brings us to our Divas Classic Survivor Series match is Michelle McCool, Layla, Beth Phoenix, Jillian, and Alicia Fox take on Melina, Mickey James, Eve, Gail Kim, and Kelly Kelly. Scott, how did this match come about?
1: On the 1026 uh Raw, Melina teamed with Santino Marella to defeat Hall and Chavo Guerrero in a mixed tag. On the 1029 Superstars, Fox defeated Kelly in a match. On the 1030 SmackDown, Crime Time hosted a Halloween costume contest featuring James as Electra, McCool as the Devil, Natalia as a matador, and Layla as Michael Jackson. James would win the fan only for McCool to attack her from Behind is that when Electra came out, two thousand nine, the Jennifer Garner. No, sounds right. Makes sense. It had to be earlier. like her. I feel like there's no other reason to dress. Yeah, like to, to to wear her costume. I don't know. Um, two thousand well, two thousand five. Right. Yeah. Oh. wow.
0: Well, you know, it takes them a while to get <laughs> yeah. a reference in the
1: rest. Um, of On the 11-2 Raw, Fox won a six Diva Battle Royal to become the number one contender for the Diva's title. On the 11-6 SmackDown, James had a confrontation with McCool and Layla as she called Layla Scary Spice and said she wasn't going anywhere. On the 11-9 Raw, this match was made as Fox defeated Kelly in a match and it was announced Fox would receive her title shot the next week. On the 11-13 SmackDown, James and Layla had a confrontation backstage while McCool snuck into James' dressing room and James would lose a match to Natalia after McCool and Layla came out on stage with James' clothes and cut them up. On the 11-6 Raw, Melina defeated Fox in a Lumberjill match to retain the Divas title. Oh, and, and probably one of the most humiliatingly terrible moments probably in the history of Raw. On the 11-20 SmackDown, James defeated Layla only for McCool to appear on the Titantron dressed as a farmer as she sang her own version of Old MacDonald and called James Piggy James. Oh, God, it's awful. Well, putting her face on a pig and James would break down crying in the ring. That was atrocious. Mm-hmm. It's an all-time bad angle for a great. I mean, Lake
2: Cool is is awesome, um, but this is a tr- uh, all-time bad angle. The Piggy James stuff, and it, it really uh, pretty much runs Mickey out of there uh, for the for her first run. So it sucks. Yeah. Much. Um, all right, both teams come out. Kelly and Layla ease in. They quickly rev back up into a back and forth. Kelly gets a nice leg drop to take out Layla. Michelle's in. The Ragdoll's Kelly into a tag to Gale, who comes slugging away. Hits a great drop kick. Michelle blocks Arana to a faith breaker. Gale's done. Pretty, pretty much a waste of her talent. Mm-hmm. Eve comes in. Michelle hammers on her. tags Jillian. Striker calls her the Jazzy Jezebel. Eve tags in and gets a top rope sunset flip. Jillian's out. Beth comes in and takes out Eve with a glam slam. Kelly comes in. She's gone with a glam slam. Mickey's in, counters a slam to a crucifix. Beth is out, kind of surprising. Mm -hmm. Beth cuts down Mickey with a lariat as she leaves. Alicia comes in, slugs at Mickey. We get a couple of reversals into a Mickey does press. Alicia's done. Michelle knocks Mickey down, keeps her grounded. That assault lasts for a little bit until Mickey kicks free and tags Melina, who comes in for a hot assault. Melina ducks a mafia kick, but Michelle slugs her down hard. Gets two on a belly to belly. Melina gets a sunset flip powerbomb, and Michelle is done. And Melina... Wins the match. Uh, What you would expect an express line of finishers until the top dogs at the end. Tough waste of Gail. She deserves so much better. Uh, These girls have the talent. They're growing, they're just not getting the time and exposure. Uh, Just a series of sequences without a structure. Mm -hmm. They still get a lot of time here, comparatively. uh, And the final three get extra shine. The finish was strong. And I'll Mm -hmm. say this for years, the Diva Survivor matches would be the only ones to not be elimination. They would just be like one fall but they're giving them the chance to have like an equal elimination match here. So that was cool. Growth, I guess two and a quarter for me, Scott.
1: Um, I gave this a two. Um, it was fine. I just, uh, I think late, I think, uh, late was channeling inner dickhead Vince. Um, only Vince would have no problem demeaning. <laughs> would have no problem. Fat shaming divas. Um, that aren't fat. <laughs> That pretty much aren't fat, no. Um, <laughs> so wrong with that. Yeah, that's 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 disgraceful. Um, but the match is fine, but uh, you know, you needed to get a women's match. I thought the I thought the, the bragging rights match was better actually. Hmm. Um, but this was solid enough, Jenny. Um, to get everybody on the card.
0: Yeah. Funny how the fat one is the best worker in the fucking group. Um,
1: yeah, that too. Uh,
0: I do like uh, Michelle McCool's gear a lot <laughs> like it's black and sparkly and looks dark and gothic so I really really enjoy her look here and I was surprised by the Gale early elimination and also the Beth one because I guess I was thinking Beth was gonna win this one um Mickey versus Beth was real good in the middle there before she got eliminated, and Beth's reaction was really good too. So I thought they had a solid character work from you know what they could do in a Survivor Series match. They don't—they're not getting the time that the guys get, but I thought they used it pretty well and worked hard. Um, not a whole lot of like obvious bad botches. Maybe on Jillian's part, Jillian looked a little green um, compared to everybody else, and. Um, I thought Melina was a real fun ball of fire when she popped in there. Um, hated Mickey getting pinned, um, but I I like this. You know, it, it it actually exceeded expectations for me. So I did two and a half.
2: All right, hmm, okay. We get clips of Batista's beatdown of Rey Mysterio earlier. Todd Grisham then talks to Batista. He says Rey was embarrassed, and that he's embarrassed for him. And then he leaves. Just badass stuff. Brings us to our main event. It's our second triple threat for the WWE title. John Cena defending against the DX boys, Shawn Michaels and Triple H. How do we get this parallel triple threat match, Scott?
1: Well, on the 10-12 uh, RAW, uh, beginning on that show, uh, Hornswoggle began dressing up in DX merchandise, frustrating DX, who accused him of gimmick infringement. On the 10-26 RAW. DX uh, served Hornswoggle with a cease and desist order, and later that night it was announced Cena would defend the title against both Triple H and Michaels in a triple threat. On the 11-2 Raw, Cena and DX had a stare down as they reminded each other of their previous matches and victories. Uh, Cena beat uh, both the two of them in back-to-back manias. On the 11-9 Raw, DX defeated Jarrah Show in a tag match with Cena doing commentary. And on the 11-16 Raw, DX confronted Hornswoggle and seemingly offered him a spot in DX. Only for Triple H to give him the pedigree. And later that night, Cena and The Undertaker defeated DX and Jericho Show in a triple threat tag match. Only to give, for Taker, as I mentioned earlier, to give Cena the tombstone after the match. Is this the one? This isn't the MSG one, right? That's in January, right?
2: Uh, yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah, I think so. They're, I know the whole, the whole big thing about Taker and Cena on a team and everything was kind of cool. But yeah, I think you're right. I think it's January. And uh, there we are as we get to the main event. All right. DX
2: enters together for the main event. Still rolling through this reunion tour, battling the top dog. Good star power main event. Feels like a capper of this raw era in a way from 05. I mean, we know Sean's near in the end. Triple H, kind of near in the end too, as an active guy. Um, so it really kind of feels like the end of an era for sure. We don't get the usual DX shtick. Cena's loud split entrance comes out immediately. Sean starts strong by crushing Hunter with Chin music off the bell. <laughs> it was a great start. Cena I thought that was in- awesome. It uh, <laughs> was great. That was awesome. Sean pours it on Cena, who tries to fend him off, eventually rallies through some offense. They go back and forth. They stay methodical. Sean takes out his knee, picking apart as Hunter's still out cold. Sean twists into a figure four, eventually dodges a Cena charge and tumbles hard to the floor. Cena meets him with a plancha. Cena recovers and lows an AA, but Hunter makes a save and mashes Sean through a table with a spine buster and a great bump. Hunter gets to work in the ring, cut through his usual arsenal on Cena, trying to put him away. They go back and forth, and Cena dodges a pedigree into a slingshot. Hunter bounces back with a hard clothesline. <coughs> Excuse me. Cena powers up. hits a five knuckle shuffle. Sean blocks an AA and throws Cena to the post. Sean pitches Cena outside and starts to light Hunter up. Hunter cuts him down with a knee. They go back and forth. Sean ends up on the top. Cena crotches him. He goes up and misses a top rope leg drop. Sean recovers and nails Cena with a big elbow, but Hunter throws him to the floor. Cena pops up. He puts Hunter in the STF and hangs on. Sean slips in and pulls Cena to a crossface and wrenches away. Cena powers out of the hold and hooks the AA on Sean. Who eventually gets to the ropes? Sean pops up and catches Cena with a sweet chin music and then cracks Hunter with one. But Hunter falls on Cena as Sean flops to the floor. The ref counts, but Cena kicks out in a good tease. Hunter comes in, walks right into an AA, but Cena can't cover. Sean crawls in. Him and Cena both drag themselves to Hunter and cover. The ref counts, but Hunter kicks out. Cena ducks a sweet chin music. Hunter counters with the pile driver, backdrops Sean right onto Cena's shoulders. Sean slips down. We get a pedigree tease. Sean hits Hunter with sweet chin music. Pacina catches Sean with the AA onto on Hunter, Hunter, pins Hunter to retain his title. Very weird vibe from the crowd. Uh, seemed like they weren't sure where to go as far as support, but the big spots all hit well here. Some of the stuff in between didn't quite connect or build. Logically, felt like they were trying to do two mini matches instead of like a natural build. Uh, and that mixed, the, mixed up the emotion and structure. It led to a lot of stops. Once they got into the home stretch, though, it started cooking more. Some of it felt contrived, but they really amped up the drama and tried some different things, which I liked. This would at least have some mystery. I mean, I think any of the three could have realistically won here. Cena retaining was the most likely outcome. We'll see if DX is done uh, or if they have any more in the tank in this reunion. And we'll see who's the next challenger for Cena as well. So Jen A went three and three quarters. I like this quite a bit, but I would still argue it underachieved when you look at the talent involved
0: i mean it probably did but i really liked it too because <laughs> I, I, I kept looking at the time and i'm like surely this triple h and john cena and john michael's match is gonna be an hour long but it wasn't you know and i thought they used the time well uh cena was great cena's just like a blank page to like just <laughs> just let dx do dx things um but Sean's opening sweet chin music, the Hunter had me on the floor, crying laughing, <laughs> um, because commentary called it out. Too. <laughs> Everybody just expected it, so it was just fucking funny. And then Hunter gets to lay around for easily one third of the match. After that, so that that probably adds to the appeal for me. Um, I really like the like the S T F on Hunter, and then Sean come in by to get the cross face. That was good, and they did i thought they built the drama very well um i had no idea i was gonna win this and uh, i got i like the near falls um more super kicks <laughs> i like the double cover tees and um finally i like the finish show this this was like kind of like more fun than it probably should have been for me hmm. um three and a, three quarters scott
1: uh, I give this three and three quarters as well. Uh, I'm glad that they did that and not Triple H giving Sean the pedigree because he would have got booed. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah, don't, it
0: was just way better.
1: It, it was way better to do it this way because when Sean – Triple H being serious is always Triple H being serious. But when Sean gets locked in like that and gives the locked-in face, uh, it, it immediately makes things more interesting. So I liked that that twist. But I agree with JR that it was more like chapters of a book. Rather than one long story. Um, I did not like the because that seemed like a very lazy trope to have Sean wrestle Cena for a while, and then have Triple H wrestle Cena for a while. That that seemed very, very lazy in that aspect. Having said that, the actual action was excellent because you got three expert guys in there. I think Cena needed a rebound match from that, from that Iron Man stinker the month before. And 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 I'm not saying that Triple H and Sean are better wrestlers than Orton. What I'm saying is. This was just a better match because it was, you know, forty minutes shorter, um, and yeah, it had star power. I don't think anybody ex—I don't think anybody really expected Cena to lose. Hmm. To be honest, not after just winning it the previous month. I think everyone kind of knew that this was just kind of a, entertain- a match for entertainment purposes rather than actually seeing a title change. I don't think anyone saw that coming. It's
0: the hunter of it all for me, because <laughs> he always—I don't know—in a match where he's in it, I'm going. Hunter's winning that match, so uh, oh, yeah. I have yet to break myself of that.
1: Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, so I, I was—I thought it was a good match, three and three quarters. Um, I think overall the action's been better on this show than, uh, than last month, uh, which was pretty much like a. Oh for People sure yeah. survivor oh, yeah. series. so <laughs> worked out. everything seemed to work out better in this show than it did mm-hmm. in the past show. So I thought it ended very well. a good way to end the show. No, it's definitely be- it's it's definitely a better show. I mean, it just
2: speaks to what we said when we covered Brag Roy. This show does not have that show. Like, exactly just, I've done some of the stuff here that ends up being similar. so um all right, let's get to our awards here. MVP for the second straight show for me was Batista Ooh. yeah,
1: I think so.
0: It's hard, because I like Orton, too. But, uh, yeah. But he's he's just scary, so I, I should probably pick him.
1: All right, LVP, I
2: went with Mark Henry. Um, like, for a guy that size, in a Survivor Series, like, they, they treated him like such a bum. Like, he goes out so easily. Um, I thought Finley had a tough night, too. But Henry seemed even more futile in there. And no one else really had a bad night, honestly. So it was like, I mean, everything yeah. else was fine.
0: I'll throw Jillian under the bus. <laughs>
2: Mm. You going with uh, um, Henry yeah, Scott? or
1: Yeah, I'll go with Mark Henry. Yeah.
2: Uh, best match, I went with the main event, um, Cena Michaels Triple H.
0: Yes.
1: Oh, man. I want to do Batista and Ray <laughs> just because I just enjoyed the assassination, but the main event was, the, was really good.
2: My worst match, I went with the uh, women's tag. Yeah.
0: You know, I mean. <sighs> I guess grade-wise, that would be true, but I would put um, Jericho, show and take her there.
2: All right. Uh, best moment, I went with Kofi pinning Orton and Punk back-to-back, because it feels like such a big elevation
1: moment mm-hmm.
0: for him. I, I like Sean's sweet chin, chin music.
1: Uh, they're both good. Damn it. it's a coin flip for me. But just because... I feel like it was needed for more long-term. I'm going to go with Kofi pinning Orton and Punk. I thought Sean with the super kick was a good moment right then and there, but I feel like the Kofi pinning Orton and Punk was a, something that we were to be seeing for the future. Like it was a bigger deal for the future. Okay.
2: All right. Uh, surprise of the night. I went with uh the same. As the uh, second story shot, I had the best moment. As the best surprise, and that was Kofi winning the Survivor Series match mm-hmm. by Pinning Orton and Punk Clean.
1: Yep. Yep, I agree.
2: Okay. Uh, and that's just our final grade. So, I mean, last month I was really down on it. I went three and a half on that show, which was terrible. Uh, but I feel like this was a good little bounce back. But it's kind of just in line with where we've been for some of these shows. You know, it's not like anything too great, you know. We had Helen Salah was at a six before that five and a half, six and a half, six and a half. so like we've kind of been in that realm for most of oh nine and i'm gonna stick there i'm gonna go with a six
1: out of ten for this show yeah i mean i gave i gave bragging rights four and a half and that was i was being probably moderately generous but this this show is so much better um i'm gonna give this a six and a half um the main event was good the orton stuff was good Really, the women's match is the only match that really didn't deliver. Um, Batista's beatdown was fun. The tr- other triple threat was good. Overall, it was just a better show than, than Survivor Series. Uh, than uh, Brighton.
0: I liked it, too. I enjoyed watching it. Um, it goes by fast. And it's pretty much nonstop. Not a lot of bullshit in there, either. So, uh, an enjoyable watch. So, I did
2: six and a half. All right, very good. Uh, so that'll do it for us here. And Survivor Series Scott will be back in two weeks' time with TLC 2009. It'll be our final show of 2009. Crazy. Yes. Another year in the books. Um, so yep. there's a March toward another WrestleMania soon as well. So lots to cover uh, as we move forward. Check out everything we have to offer here PlayStation Wrestling Feed, as well as the PlayStation Pop Experience, and the North South Connection featuring the Jenny position. On the North South, we have uh, video and audio content, so just search out northsouthconnection.com. You can get hooked up with all that. So we appreciate you checking us out. Jenny, thanks for joining us as always. And we'll be back in two weeks on the big, big Podcast. Everyone, take
0: care.